primarily a football podcast but with spring training upon us i'm going to use a baseball analogy to get us into basketball talk uh we are making a call to the bullpen mark brennan is coming on sean you are going to take a back seat for the first segment because we're going to dive into penn state hoops okay i'm perfectly fine with that okay because you seem a little upset it's like i'm trying to get the ball from you and you're kind of shaking me off and like stamping your cleat and then you're going to head to the dugout regardless because that's how this has worked for over 100 years okay all right. Baseball analogies are great. Yeah. All right. Everybody <laughs> loves them. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I'm um, trying to remember, we had you on soon after we merged. It must have been, what, middle of November? When was the last time you came on the uh, the pod, Mark? Yeah, I think it was the middle of November. And, Sean, you shouldn't feel bad. I mean, Penn State, obviously, in the middle of an NIT run. As most people know, I'm the dean of all NIT writers. I believe I've covered more NIT games than anybody else. So, Sean, you're great at the recruiting stuff. When it comes to the NIT, this is what people it's are one doing. thing that I can take some credit for. Yeah, and this is, you know, we always like to go a little bit behind the scenes for our listeners. We appreciate uh, here. But, you know, I will tip my chair back physically, crack open a cold one when Sean is doing the recruiting segments typically. So you now get to do that as, as Mark and I will go back and forth on, uh, on basketball. I love afternoon beers. Yeah. But you will then have to lean forward because the next segment we're going to have is recruiting. Fantastic. And why don't we just round out the rest of the rundown. Today on the pod, after hoops and then recruiting, we're going to talk a little bit about winter workouts. Uh, Sean, you had a piece recently about players that are standing out, not only just early enrollees. Um, we've got a preview of the NFL Combine. That starts on Friday. Saquon Barkley is going to work out then in Indianapolis and get to mailbag. Last episode, XL size mailbag. Today, just two. Well, we like to give and take. So yeah. last week, I think it was six questions or whatever. Uh, we'll go back to two this week. That's Great. The big question for Penn State men's basketball. Is Mike Watkins going to play on Thursday? I published a column yesterday being Tuesday talking about I don't believe he's going to play against Northwestern. Your thoughts? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, uh, we can see it in kind of Pat Chambers' body language when we asked him about it on, uh, what was it, Monday. And you just didn't get the sense that he didn't come out and clearly say he's not going to play. But when the first words out of his mouth are he doesn't need surgery, that's kind of (laughs) faint praise, I guess, is a way of putting it so I would be absolutely surprised if he plays you know if he does play Andrew I I think it would be smart if he's able to play I would not play him in that Northwestern game Mm because to me that game is sort of meaningless for them to get to the NCAA tournament they're going to at least have to get to the championship game obviously they would get the the AC if they uh, or AQ if they uh, actually won won the thing I just don't think they're a team that's equipped to do that even with Watkins so in my view even if he could play I would hold him out for Ohio State hope that you get there and then maybe give you a chance to make some sort of run but I just you know unfortunately for them they put themselves in a great spot to make a run at the NCAA tournament and lost their last three games and you know to me it's just going to be a, a difficult difficult to get there at this point right and we don't need to rehash the last four games which really the season boiled down to that after they make a run and they've won four straight and then you lose you know closely at Purdue's that first loss 76-73 Watkins goes down against Michigan nine point loss on senior night and then Rask I mean, that was the most they've been out of a game for the longest stretch, I think, maybe in the entire season. Yeah, well, to their credit, though, you know, I thought they I – I was ready to really jump all over them, but I thought they showed some heart in that game by coming back. They 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 clearly were never going to get all the way back, but they didn't they didn't 
again, faint praise. They didn't completely give up and showed at least a little bit of heart. And I think that gives them momentum isn't the right word going into the Big Ten sure. tournament, but just, you know, maybe feeling a little bit better than had they lost that game by 25, which they very well could have. Yeah. Something else that's going to help them, Vic Law is out. Northwestern's second leading scorer, he's shooting just about 39% from three-point range. You know, we, we talk about the loss of Mike Watkins. We don't expect him to play. I'm with you that even if he's a 50-50 game time decision, hold him out. You're going to need to be at your best against the best. Northwestern does not file into that category. They lost their last six heading into this tournament. So while you need, of course, to win to advance, I think you can do that while not at full strength. Um, you'll need Watkins against Ohio State. Vic Law being out should get you there. The other part is, I think they got probably the most favorable draw possible here in this tournament because let's say they beat Northwestern, beat Ohio State for the third time, Purdue is waiting on the other side. And at that point, you're well, likely... Hold on one at, second, though. Purdue? Well, who could Purdue possibly play? Purdue could possibly play Indiana. Yes. So the, the point likely being, that is a, that's a blood game. So you clearly Purdue will be favored. But it wasn't that long ago that Penn State was in a situation like this and ended up getting the whatever seed Purdue is. What are they two? They ended up they end up losing and Penn State end up getting the seven seed or whatever it was. Or so there's that's a situation, Andrew. Where that I, I don't mean to interrupt you there. Sure. But things they this could not have broken better for them. Unfortunately, without Watkins, which I think is going to happen, it's going to be tough. And that game that Purdue and Indiana had earlier this year was a close one, seventy four sixty seven. I was at Assembly Hall. But Indiana team, kind of like Northwestern and Penn State right now, you're not looking at the NCAA tournament, you know, barring a miraculous run. So you've got nothing to lose, as you said, kind of a blood game for them. So the point being, you want to avoid Michigan State. I think it is a clear-cut best team in the conference. Defensively, Purdue leaves something to be desired. I think the the, the seven-footer status of um, Ethan Harms and Isaac Koss is a little bit overstated. Or yeah. Matt Harms, excuse me. I always want to say Ethan Harms. And you know what? I finally just realized why I want to do this. This is the first in the podcast. I want to say Ethan Happ. Yeah. That's why I do that. Okay. It's no excuse, but it's, it was really awful there on my part. I'll take your word for Should it. Should we cut it's that okay. out for the outtakes episode? No, we'll leave this in. You did okay. this to me last week. Very so. good. <laughs> Multiple times. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. like a therapeutic thing. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you want to get on the couch and... <laughs> I'm sitting back here and watching you struggle. It's it's making my day. He's so. in harm only exists in my head. Uh, Just say the big guys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The two seven-footers. I mean, you know, Isaac Koss, poor defensive rebounder. Um, but anyway, favorable draw for Penn State. Uh, let's say, what is the ceiling of this run? Do you, do you think, as you said, the only way they get in is making the championship game? Do you think they can get there? I don't. I mean, I I, I think they the most realistic thing that they could do is make it to Saturday, which would mean beating Northwestern and then beating an Ohio State team that they've already beaten twice. Mm-hmm. But to me, when you look at this Penn State team, what's been missing all year? Great production off the bench. There's been some games where a, a guy here or a guy there has, has really come in, but I just don't think they have the sort of depth they would need to win three games in three days, let alone four games in four days. Right. I just don't... You, you look at um, you know, especially their big guys. You know, Julian Moore, God bless him. He's playing on one leg, basically. I think he would be a much better player for them had he been healthy, but he's not. Satchel Pierce, you're getting nothing out of him. And Hara, is that how we pro- we're pronouncing yeah, it? Yeah, John Hara. Yeah, I think that kid has an upside. But So you look at that, you, you, you've gotten... No consistency out of Bostic. Uh, you know, Wheeler's been up and down. So without a bench, I just don't see how you could be asking Tony Carr and Lamar Stevens to be playing 38, 40 minutes a game yep. three days in a row. 
I think the ceiling is the championship game personally, but but there are a couple factors that have to come in. I think Mike Watkins has to be able to play back-to-back, which was a large reason me saying I don't think he'll be able to in that column about he's not going to make a big impact here. They don't need him to make a big impact because when they play Purdue, of course, he got two early fouls in the first half, two early in the second, and then was bad for the final stretch. So he was essentially a non-factor, nonetheless was a three-point game. Another big factor, though, against Purdue was Vince Edwards being out. His status right now is uncertain. I think if Vince Edwards is out again and Mike Watkins is able to play at least 15 to 20 minutes on that Saturday game we just talked about, I think Penn State can win. Um, but, but they, of course, cannot overlook Ohio State. Who You know, you always have the, it's hard to beat a team three times, the adage going on. There's nothing to that except for it's hard to win three times against no matter who right. you play. Th- three games is difficult to win. But I think they can get by Purdue if Vince Edwards does not play. If he does, I don't think they have a shot. Um, the, the conference tournament is just such a physical day after day grind. I think underrated because it's fans like this is the best thing ever. This is the least effort we have to put into. Just turn on the TV. The games are always on. For the players, obviously, it's a much different story. Well, for the old school folks out there, back in 2001, Penn State uh, was in a similar position, but maybe a little bit closer to, to NCAA consideration. And they ended up getting a last second win over Michigan mm-hmm. and then a thrilling win over Michigan State, which was an absolutely loaded Michigan State team with Zach Randolph and uh, a bunch of other guys who I, I can't recall at this point when John when Joe Crispin hit a late three point shot. And we were actually for the, they end up playing Iowa in the semifinals. And we're down on the floor where the where press row is, which is a, a much cooler thing than they have at the Jordan Center. And John Crispin, early in the game, comes dribbling by a few of us. It was like me, Dave Jones, and I think Kim Jones. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we have no legs. You know, he's just kind of whispering to us. And we knew at that point the game was over. They ended up losing yeah. by 20 to Iowa. And it was a similar team that did – that team actually even had better depth than this team. But I just – again, it's one of those situations where when you're asking somebody, a team to play three games in three days, Without great depth, I think it's going to be difficult. And I think that's what's going to happen if they make it to Saturday. Even if they played Indiana, I think they're going to have their hands full. Right. All right. Uh, and then I think we're in agreement really quickly before we tip our own chairs back. Sean crashes his forward and we move on to recruiting. NIT is where this team is headed? I, yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, obviously, the NIT bracketology page, which we've unearthed, which <laughs> is isn't you that unbelievable. That yeah. Somebody has a people Google it. NIT bracketology. Somebody is actually taking the time to, to set up a page and they currently have Penn State as a three seed. So they're firm. Penn State is firmly in the NIT <laughs> no matter what happens. Their seeding could be messed up if they lose to Northwestern. I'm half joking about that. But yeah, I think the NIT is where they're going. I think I saw they drew Colorado, right? Well, that would be that would be fun. Belmont but the latest uh, edition. Yeah, yeah, I think those things are a little See, bit I'm more... I'm not caught up on the latest NIT. They're, they're a little bit more regional Shame these days. Yeah, my bad. Alright, uh, Mark, what'll, uh, what'll it be? What kind of beer do you want? Uh, you know, we'll I'm a Bud Light guy, so okay. just go ahead and... Alright, shout out Bud Light. Sean, what do you got? He's a Lions head guy. He's a Northeast PA guy. Um... Uh, recruiting. Uh, not a very busy time, of course, between signing day, spring practice. Um, you know, Penn State will get into spring practice. We'll start seeing guys pop up a lot more Saturdays. Sort of a quasi-junior day coming up on the 24th of March. Um, that's still a ways in the, on, on the horizon. But, you know, a couple of big visitors recently. Isaiah Truss was most recently in town. Um, big, big offensive tackle from Rhode Island, which Massachusetts junior or whatever. Um, 
don't know, it's all New England. Is that your but nickname for the state of Rhode Island? Maybe, yeah. You know how well that would go over in the state of Rhode Island? Not well, no. No. No, wicked not well, yes. Um, no, Xavier Trust was in town on Monday. Um, big visit for Penn State because he just came off of visits from, or excuse me, to Clemson, Auburn, and Alabama. Um, three three schools that were on his list. Of, and I think it's important that he's getting these visits out of the way. He didn't go to many places. Um, you know, he just came onto the radar in, in January. Penn State had him on campus in November, but he just came onto the radar in January. And, you know, he started to see these places. And it's so important for him to get back to Penn State. I mean, this is one thing that that, that you see some of these guys uh, from the region and beyond when, when they inflate their offer list. They want to go see these schools down south. And they will get to see them with the official visits taking place from April to June, which is the new rule this year. But for, for him to, to, to swing back, um, drive through Pennsylvania, stop in State College, which obviously is not quite on his way back to Rhode Island, for him to come back shows the level of interest. He's got 11 crystal balls to Penn State right now. I still have my on the Nittany Lions, and it's frankly, it's not changing anytime soon. Uh, he's going to want to see Michigan. He's going to want to see some of these Midwest schools that have offered as well. So, just to get him back on campus, I think is is a big deal in itself. He wants to come back for the Blue White game, and you know. Penn State recruited offensive tackle very well in the twenty uh, excuse me twenty eighteen class with Rashid Walker and Nana Asidu and Bryce After could probably play there as well. But if you can start stringing together classes where you've got true tackles, and I'm not talking about you know some of the things you know Michael Mennett was rated as a tackle some places, but he's been an interior guy. Connor McGovern is a borderline. You, you don't want to take too many swing guys, but you do you can load up with tackles because you can eventually move them to guard. And, and James Franklin's talked about that several times. But you line up Rashid. Walker, um, you know, Nana Sidu, of course, Will Fries is already on campus, um, and, and you put another body like Xavier Truss in that uh, in that sort of assembly line, and you're starting and to CJ produce... Thorpe too. Well, CJ Thorpe is He's an interior, is an interior right, guy. Sorry, I thought you were going kind no, of the right I'm across talking, the line. I'm talking tackles here because you know you can get these six, 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 seven guys, and not all of them pan out, as we've seen Sterling Jenkins still buried on the on the depth chart, but. Um, I mean, if you, you can start putting these together, you've got uh, an offensive line that starts mirroring Ohio State's, and we've talked about that on the podcast so many times. Anytime you can emulate what they're doing in Columbus, it's a good thing. And I know not everybody likes to hear that, but Ohio State's on such a run where you know they, they can string together offensive tackle after offensive tackle. You start building a little bit more of uh, competition in that room, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a pretty darn good offensive line. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people think it starts from the middle and goes out, but I think it starts at those tackles, and you can work your way in because you can slide those guys in and all around and, you know, be at the, at the end of the day, you've got yourself a, you know, a, a very good setup across the front five. And, Sean, isn't there an element, too, with these 6'7", six, 6'6", seven, six, 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 seven, six, tackles that it's kind of a numbers game? It's You're rolling the dice a little bit because some of these kids are so dominant in high school because they're just bigger than everybody else. And it's a matter of whether that works its way into the college game. And I think that's one of the things with, with Sterling. I don't want to be critical of Sterling, but, you know, here he comes, he comes in here as however many stars, and it just hasn't worked out just yet. So the more those, but the, it's a numbers game. The more you get, the more likely your a few of those kids. Gonna, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, your hit rate's going to be higher. And actually, um, Charles Power, who used to work with us at 24-7 Sports, he now does some, um, some advanced scouting and things like that, wrote an article um, that I retweeted on, on Tuesday morning. You, you don't have to be 6'6", 320 pounds coming out of high school. And some of these guys are. Truss is 325, but he's a freaking huge kid. Um, but you, you want to have that athletic base. Nana Asidu is 6'5", 6'6", 260 pounds. Rashid Walker played at probably 280 pounds. So you get that athleticism and base, and that weight will come later, and I think it's going to benefit you, um, or excuse me, benefit these guys. Um, 
a lot of the draft prospects, and this is something that, that Chuck uh, Charles Power ran through, is these guys were 270 pounds in high school. These guys were 260 pounds in high school. Not everybody is going to come in as a 300-pounder and sort of parlay that into a successful college career. And the ones that do are elite from the start. And I think it's a great piece, and, and you should probably check it out. Moving on, um, Devin Ford was on campus. Speaking of Nana, um, Devin Ford was uh, Nana's teammate back at North Stafford. Uh, getting him back on campus. I think is a big deal. He's Penn State's top target, um, you know, regionally at running back. Um, Virginia Tech, I think, is still in a good spot here. But Penn State has worked their way from completely out of the conversation, which months ago we were talking about. You know, he wasn't going going to go anywhere north of uh, Blacksburg. Probably looking at Clemson, you know, Florida State, some of these other places. Now all of a sudden, Penn State's right in the mix, and and they want to get him back on campus again this spring. And if they can swing that, I mean, you've got the guys that are on campus obviously right now. Ricky Slade signing in in twenty. 18. You compare Devin Ford on that. You know, you were looking to take two running backs at one point. If you take Devin Ford, I'm not sure you need two running backs. So um, Penn State in good in a good spot there. Um, not in the lead, but in a good spot to, to make up some ground. Before that, Ronnie Hickman, I think since our last podcast, Ronnie Hickman, uh, safety out of New Jersey, visited the, the Friday before Ford visited. Visited with Taquan Roberson. Uh, I still see him going to Ohio State, but good to get him back on campus. Uh, he's got connections with the, the Penn State staff, EJ Barthol in particular. Um, so you know, just sort of cycling these guys through. We're not going to see the big junior day until the end of March, but they will start to get some of these guys on every weekend leading up to spring practice and beyond. From one safety to another, this isn't so much a, a move that Penn State has to concern itself with, but it's notable because this is a prospect who was kind of cornered up in the Northeast and is now right in the thick of Texas high school football. Yeah, Lewis Seen, uh, Massachusetts. Well, I guess he's from Florida, but went uh, to, to school in Massachusetts. Uh, his family lives in Massachusetts. He's moving down to Texas, and we, and we talked about this on the site late last week and over the weekend. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, this is this is a kid that's going to train with Deion Sanders in Dallas, taking yourself out of the region, taking yourself pretty far away from Penn State. And he didn't visit many places to begin with, been to Penn State twice, but I mean, that, that hurts. I mean, that's going to have to make Penn State work a little bit harder. Sure, they got uh, Trent Gordon and Isaiah Humphreys from, from Texas last year, but you know, it's going to be about how much effort they can put in. Terry Smith will be down there. I'm sure Tim Banks will be down there. Some of those the other guys because he's one of Penn State's top overall targets. And pulling someone from Boston and pulling someone from Dallas, completely different. Um, you know, when you talk about how often you can see them, how often they, they maybe can get down to campus for, a, for an unofficial visit for a game or something like that. So got to bring him in the spring, got to get him back for the spring game or whatnot. You've got these official visits to work with now, so that kind of helps. But at the same time, Texas offered him last week. Texas A&M, you know, offered him last week, and, and several schools are also present. So um, I I think it hurts. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a killer for Penn State, but I think it hurts their chances with with Lewisine, and uh, that that remains. Oh God, that remains to be seen. As far as nice. that is. <laughs> I was waiting for why that. No, why you I suddenly stop. Threw on the emergency brakes. I did. I did. And Mark's over here. He's jealous because he's the he's the pun guy. But uh, well, we can't use pun headlines <laughs> for SEO anymore. That, uh, that completely ruined the fun we used to have. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, no, I think uh, you know Penn State's still in a good spot here. I think they're still the leader here. My crystal ball is still on Penn State, but I think this one just got a lot tougher, and he's a freaking premium prospect, man. 6'2", 180, runs really well, uh, does everything you want. He's, you know, he, he sort of reminds you of Marcus
Marcus Allen. So um, if they can get him back onto campus, I think they got a great shot. But, of course, uh, things have been muddied a little bit from that aspect. Marcus Allen, of course, always hearing a lot from Marcus Allen if you follow him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. well, if you've ever been around Marcus Allen, yeah, you've heard you, a lot you, from Marcus you, Allen. You've heard him. No, that's not a criticism either. We're also going to be hearing a lot about his replacements. Both safeties, Troy Apke and Marcus Allen are going to be in the NFL Combine. That's in another segment or two. Jonathan Sutherland, though, an incoming redshirt freshman, heard some about in the last podcast and continues to impress in winter workouts where it's not just the early enrollees, Michael Parsons, of course, Trent Gordon we've talked about, um, but guys like him and, and Miles Sanders continue to get recognition from the coaches and people you talk to. Yeah, absolutely. We talked a little bit about winter workouts last week on the site, and uh, Jonathan Sutherland was one of those guys that popped up. Um, and I, I think he's been a guy that we've been watching. James Franklin had some good things to say about him in the, in the fall, but I mean, he's been one of those guys where you take a look at where the plays were being made on the scout team, and it's not always easy to do because they're reading off a card and, and, and figuring out, out where to be in the right spot. But this is a guy when they when they put the pads on to scrimmage, do the the travel team scrimmage or whatnot. This is a guy that was always making plays. He's got an opportunity at safety. Of course, there's there's no real starting safety right now. Nick Scott's there, obviously. Aaron Monroe, um, you know, he's he, as we saw yeah, on the Snapchat, shoulder. Snapchat, he, he was hurt. Um, but uh, Lamont Wade's there as well. But I think Sutherland's got as good a shot as anybody to make it make a dent on that two deep. Uh, Garrett Taylor there, who I forgot to mention as well. So they've got talent. Um, I'm anxious to see what Sutherland can do. He can cover a bunch of ground. I think he's gotten a little bit faster since he's gone on campus, which I think was one of the knocks on him coming out. But an instinctive football player, um, you know, he can play in the box. He can play center field. He's he's more of a complete safety. So I'm excited to see what Sutherland can do. Uh, I'm excited to see this defensive backfield. I mean, another another guy that we talked about in winter workouts standing out, Zach McPherson, which, you know, you really didn't hear much about, of course, last year was Castro Fields and Wade, you know, seeing the field as true freshmen. But McPherson is a redshirt freshman really hadn't you know made those strides yet played about 90 snaps yeah so I mean he was there but he wasn't quite you know in that rotation Uh, of course losing both starting corners you get John Reed back this year but McPherson's a guy that has been mentioned to me by several people has really stepped up this offseason so I'm anxious to see what he can do he's kind of a Grant Haley type isn't he yeah I I think he's not the biggest guy in the world but he's versatile yeah, he's he's a guy that he, he sort of made his living in high school, you know, returning kicks, doing a right. little bit of everything. He's he's not as fast as Grant, which not many people are, but you know, I think he's a he, he's more of a scrapper than anything. The red shirt year was very good for him. Uh, got a little bit stronger. Um, I think he's going to be competing for that fourth spot right now. Of course, you've got Amani, you've got John Reed, Tariq Castro Fields is a pretty darn good third right. corner. Um, but yeah, McPherson I think has got the leg up heading into the spring, and I think a lot of that has to do with the work that he's put in this winter. Going back. Back a second, because we haven't talked about this with Mark in the podcast, and I don't want it to be a starting safety discussion because we've got months and months for that. You'll, you'll write a column about it. Yeah, point. sure, sure. Pick one guy, and then you can rule him out for good. Um, man, these are getting <laughs> real inside, inside jokes. But your thoughts about who might step up or, you know, with Lamont Wade now in the discussion, we just talked about Jonathan Sutherland. Obviously, Aaron Monroe and Nick Scott are there. But to me, neither of them stepped up in their limited action, again, very limited, to say, listen, that job is going to be theirs once Marcus and Troy are gone. So who are your two favorites to land those jobs in September? Yeah, I think the the bigger thing to look at is Lamont Wade and how they're going to utilize him within the secondary as a whole. Because to, to me, he's the kind of guy who can be your ultimate nickelback, who can do everything. He can cover people. He can be physical. I don't know how, I mean, he had a bunch of tackles last year. I know we were talking about it. I'm not sure how many were special teams, but you know, whether or not he starts, he's going to see a ton of action. You know, my guess at this point is they're probably going to give the benefit of the doubt to a Nick Scott to 
start. I may be wrong about that just because he's been a team player. He's done all these things. The second spot, you know, maybe it's Wade. Not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that you're going to see Wade doing a ton of stuff for them. So, yeah, we talk about that star package all the time and people yeah. want to think that that's, you know, the, the Koa Farmers, you know, the, that that third linebacker or whatever. But they've t- they've said they're going to play Wade as a star. They played him in there last year and it can be a form, you know, it can be a nickel back. It can be a guy that, that, that comes off the ball as well. So I think Wade fits into that category very well. Just, I mean, he's a kid that can find the football on defense I mean, right. and he's going to find his way on the field because of it. And I don't think it matters what they label him as. He's, he's going to be out there doing things. The other thing is bringing John Reed back. He's another guy who's super versatile. Uh, it's going to be fun to see what they do with some of these specialty packages, especially given what they have or don't have at linebacker. Yeah, and, and Reed's presence to me signals that, that, and also just how he's labeled on the depth chart strictly as a safety instead of just DB, which they could have done, is Lamont Wade will stick back in safety. Like the way they've operated always is their number one corner, provided he's kind of in that 5'9", five, 5'10", five, mold as Grant Haley was and John Reed still is, has moved from outside to inside, which to me makes sense on a level, of course, that your slot receiver might not be the best option where you, of course, want to put your best corner, but he's the one closest to the football. So if you're going to force throws to the outside, make that quarterback throw deep outs or harder you know, completions to those wide outs, even if it's against a lesser defender, they've got more time to make up for it. So I also think he, he fits that inside nickelback position where you've got, you know, Castro Fields and Amani longer, bigger guys who fit the outside role. But I, I think Wade, maybe in a pinch they need him at nickel, but for the most part, provided he's healthy, that should be John Reed's job. Wade also, though, impressing in, in winter workouts as of Tuesday. Yeah, Wade was, I think, the top performer among the safeties. But I think that's the thing. You've got a couple guys back there that whatever you ask them to do, they're capable of doing. It's not that they will do that. You know, yeah. everybody will do what they're asked. But they're capable. You know, John Reed, if you needed to make John Reed a safety, he could be a safety. If you need to make Lamont Wade a safety, you know, as we see, you know, they hope he can be a safety. So um, you're getting a little bit more versatile back there. You're sort of bleeding the lines between corner and safety. And they've got a lot of talent at corner a lot of numbers at corner um, and that that should boil over to to the rest of the defensive backfield well what was the line pry used after uh before the bowl game it said you know marcus allen was playing linebacker for most of the season we just didn't tell him uh, <laughs> you know because just because they had him up close to the line yeah. so much so it's it, that that's the versatility and that's the beauty of this defense is i think they played a they're not kind of pigeonholed into doing this, that, or the other thing, they kind of figure out who their opponent is and then kind of go from there. Bleeding the lines or blurring the lines? Both. You know, you can bleed into things. Have you uh, heard bleeding the lines, Mark? I have, I have not <laughs> heard that one. Oh, you're the worst. Anyway, uh, a couple more guys. Miles Sanders. Um, you know, if you noticed, I think uh, Penn State's social push this spring or yes. this winter, there's been a lot of Miles Sanders, and I think there's a reason for that. He's the guy at running back, obviously. You've got a couple of other guys there, Mark Allen, Journey Brown, who I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's not. I don't think he's close to being a consistent player yet, but explosive guy. Ricky Slade's coming in, but Miles Sanders, in my mind, is the guy. Uh, nobody's going to be Saquon Barkley, but there could be bigger drop-offs than going down to Miles Sanders. Yeah. Shane Simmons also received mention. I mean, we, we talked about this last time. Defensive end depth is ridiculous to an extent. You talk about their ceiling. We'll see what, of course, unfolds on the field in spring, summer, and then the fall. Um, but but if he's in that mix again and, and Uter Gross Matos takes the, the step that we expect, I mean, you, you can roll, you know, six different ends out there and feel totally confident about their ability. When you think about the last, or when you think back to last year and think about 
about the biggest gripes that you have. Obviously, getting to the quarterback was a huge one in the Ohio State game and the Michigan State game. I don't think they're going to have that problem this year. There's just so much talent there. I mean, we, we don't even talk about Sharif Miller and Ryan Buckholz, and those are your starting defense right. lines. So um, behind him, Shane Simmons, Yitor Gross-Matos, Shaka Tony, Daniel Joseph has stepped up a little bit as well. So uh, I'm excited to see what they can do because they're going to have to put packages out there where there's three or four defensive ends and, and make it happen. We've already talked about Buckholz moving down to the, the three technique during passing downs, and I think that's where he's going to have to be, put him beside Kevin Givens, and they can do some things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this defensive end package. Um, Yitor Gross-Matto, Shane Simmons, Shaka Tony, uh, Daniel Joseph, all uh, rostered sophomores right now. So it's going to get crowded in there pretty fast, and, and you know, it's going to be fun to watch. Well, and also tells you why Micah's playing, Micah Parsons playing middle linebacker. Exactly. I mean, they don't, not that you don't need him anywhere, but obviously with the, that sort of stacked depth at the end, you know, why not move him in there and give him a shot at, at Mike? Yeah. Defensive end, a spot that they've obviously returned a lot. Can't say that about defensive tackle. Neither Parker or Curtis Cothran were invited to the NFL Combine, but Penn State's got eight guys there. And and to me, kind of like Miles Sanders, as you just said, he's got a big social push from Penn State. A lot of this Combine discussion, Penn State-related, revolves around Saquon Barkley. I'm far more interested in where we go with the defensive backs. Now, we were I was able to be on a call with uh, Mike Mayock on Monday, get his insights. Those are all up on the site, so I don't want to take too much time. But a quick rundown of what's to come, because this is going to begin on Friday with Saquon Barkley working out on field. You can watch that 40, all that good stuff. But before you start that, there was an interesting topic on the board. Oh, sure. Is the NFL Combine a day drinking event for you? <laughs> Not <laughs> it, for me, Because no. I, I know the NCAA tournament is and everything like that. Yeah. But I don't know if the NFL Combine is one of those things, that one of those days that you do that. If, if I mean, I'm not going to judge, but I think if the NFL Combine is an event that you go, oh, okay, I can day drink with that, then there's not much you need to say, oh, I can day drink with this. Like, it's just, it's such a, like, I, <laughs> you don't need a reason to day drink. I mean, it, right. But but if it's, it, it's a day drinking event, then like, you know, without the event, are you day drinking? Or right. they, I was you know, just curious. I mean, I, you know, go ahead, go nuts. I'm not going to say don't day drink on the, on the weekends, but, you know, for me, it's become one of those that there's so much attention to the draft, right? That any little kind of, you know, modicum of information or insight, like people are just latching onto and you watch this and I have before, I'll admit it. Uh, but it's just really nothing. It's the underwear Olympics, the guys who, who you expect to perform well do. So what, you know, if a guy runs a good 40, you know, you got a, the workout warrior moniker is kind of a negative thing, right? Because if he, if he looks good in underwear, well, we were really there for football, right? Hey, I'm Mike Mamula, you know, for the Eagles. You're too young for that, Sean. You're, no, I'm but, well aware. Uh, yeah, Mike he Mamula. was the guy who ended up being an Eagles high draft choice based strictly on he dominated the combine. But it's almost like curling, isn't it? You turn it on and you can't stop watching. I thought you were going to talk bad on curling. No, no, I have enough friends who are America's oldest pastime. Who are big Um, curling fans. Latest gold medal. Best in the world, yes. Um, But anyway, uh, but no, I'm I'm right there with you. We we tend to ignore four or five months worth of film and things like that if the guy can sit down and and do. And and a guy like John Ross, who's a was a very good yeah. player at Washington goes out and pops a four two two. No reason John Ross should have gone as high as he did, in, yeah. in my opinion, and, and and it showed this year because he didn't even play. You know, so I I, I just think uh, it, it's fun to watch, but it's just another data point. We talk about these camps. Going back to my recruit, uh, going back to recruiting, we talk about these camps and all that stuff. And if you judge someone based off of a camp, you're you're doing your job wrong. I mean, yes. it, it's another data point though because you can see these guys how they move. Um, and going back to the thing, uh, Charles Powell. Wrote. I mean, we talked about uh, offensive, defensive line, one on ones. They're essentially worthless. I mean, they're just dancing bears trying to get in front of her, front of uh, excuse me, 
front of one another. Um, not really this uh, game situation or anything like that. So I, I liken the combine to that. I think it's another data point. I think there's value in it. But at the end of the day, if you're drafting based off the combine, you've got a problem. And if you can drink while you're watching the combine, if yeah, I mean, it's not that they big should of a put deal. that in the combine. I mean, that, that'd be fantastic. I feel like the University of Wisconsin would have a lead in that category every year. No, yeah, that would be great. Okay, very good. Well, back to the schedule. Uh, there's no drinking occurring on Friday, but there will be running backs, offensive linemen, and special teams. You only care about running backs because, like I said, Saquon will be out there blowing everybody away. It's widely expected. He he could almost set some records uh, among running backs dating at least back to 2006 because, weirdly, their their data gets a little hazy um, before then, though I think that was the inception of the NFL Network and hence why there was a lot more attention on the combine. Moving on, Saturday, wide receivers and tight ends. That means Deshaun Hamilton and Mike Kosicki will be on your TV. Sunday, defensive linemen and linebackers. Jason Kumbinda is going to be on that mix. And finally, on Monday, Marcus Allen, Troy Apke, Christian Campbell, and Grant Haley will be running. Now, Mike Mayock was very high on Grant Haley when we spoke to him on the phone and, and a little less so on Christian Campbell saying he needed to run well. I've always understood Christian Campbell as kind of a 4-4 guy. His other points about Christian being much more suited for kind of a press man team as opposed to someone playing off coverage I agreed with. But there aren't many guys in that group who, A, to me, haven't helped their stock somewhere along the way from the end of the Fiesta Bowl to where we are now, especially Deshaun Hamilton. Or B, should really hurt themselves with whatever they test with in Indianapolis, barring a slip or just an abomination. Like, everyone knows Cabinda is a little bit more physically limited than some of the other linebackers. Mm -hmm. But that's not why, if you're an NFL team, you would be drafting Jason Cabinda. It's for all the intangibles, what he brings, the physicality, his willingness to play special teams. So I envision this to be a very, very good week for Penn State. Yeah, I think so. I think you're I think you're right. I mean, there's there's obviously Barkley's going to be the, the, the center of attention and everything like that. I'm really interested... To, excuse me. I'm really interested to see how Hamilton does. See mm-hmm. how he runs. I mean, straight line. He's not been the fastest guy, but at the same time, uh, that's not his game. And we talk about putting too much stock into the combine and testing like that. You know, if he runs a four seven, you know, a high four sevens or something cool. like that. I mean, it's going to hurt him, but it shouldn't hurt him as much as it probably will. I'm anxious to see Gasicki and how he. I think he has a chance to set some records too. I mean, I, just in terms of his ability to run quickly and to jump. Uh, I think you're going to see some some crazy, crazy things. And it's going to be interesting to see how much that impacts his draft stock. Right. Do people just look at that? Or as you were saying, Sean, do they go back and look at the tape and see a guy who's a great receiver but not such a great blocker? But he's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, I think a guy who's going to do well is I think Apke's going to be one of those guys who tests well. He's going to run a good 40. He's good in the shuttles and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, from my perspective, I'm interested in seeing Gasicki, and I think he's going to – really turn some heads in the underwear Olympics. I'm looking forward to seeing Apke run the 4-8 that everyone has been telling us on the on oh the internet God. that he runs for the last two years um, because he's not close to that. So, um, yeah, that, that defensive back day will be good. I know you and I have been talking a lot Haley-Campbell uh, comparisons there, and I think there's a obviously a greater margin of error for, for, for um, Grant Haley in terms of what he can run at his size versus Christian Campbell because we know Christian Campbell is going to do great at the broad jump and things like that, but mm-hmm. with that size, I think there's, there's obviously a cushion there for Campbell. To uh, to maybe not do as well as Haley. You know what though? On the flip side of that, I mean, he doesn't have like at five nine the physical tools where he's kind of locked into what he's going to do. I mean, you probably don't trust him entirely. You know, off the bat as an outside corner, he's going to be stuck there in the slot, which you know, for all intents and purposes, is the starting position in the NFL today. Everyone's playing eleven personnel on offense. He'll play on special teams, maybe return a little bit. But if Grant Haley doesn't run well. 
I mean, your confidence in his prospects, as much as he showed you on tape, probably drop off a little bit, no? Yeah, no, I agree. I okay. Agree. Yeah, he has to run well. Hey, the other thing yeah. about this, often forgotten, these guys have to do a lot of team interviews. Yes. And these guys, by and large, are going to kill it. I mean, Saquon Barkley, you know, we all know what he's about. Gasicki really handles himself well. Maybe a little overconfident sometimes. Marcus Allen what? kind of in the same. <laughs> Marcus Allen in the same thing. But not necessarily in but, a good way. But we've had a chance to talk to all these guys. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, outside of, you know, Apke was never really comfortable talking to us. I hope he picks it up when he has to talk to these GMs and stuff. And we really didn't get a chance to talk to Campbell that much. But the other guys, you know, Cabinda is going to knock it out of the park. So that part of it is going to be fine. Cabinda's going to be doing an interview for the right. spot on the NFL Network at some point. So yeah. but maybe he'll work that way. Yeah, and in those interviews, too, I mean, it's, it's interesting because as far as I've read, and, and a lot of it goes back to I had a lot of time as a kid and was big into the NFL draft and just admitted I used to watch the combine. No friends, was, got it. Yep, got it. <laughs> uh, the interviews that they'll do with teams are not just to get to know your personality, of course. Like, they want to go to your worst plays, see your, your recollection from those games. They could say, okay, in this third down, when you played uh, Indiana September 30th, Jason Cabinda missed a tackle here. What was the call? What was the check that you made? So your recall of everything. Sometimes it's just a test of we get 15 minutes with you. Are you smart enough to play with us? You know, of course, sometimes you've got stuff in your background, which really none of these guys do. To explain that away, what happened here? Are you going to own up to your mistakes? What do you like in the locker room? So it's it's a real different test depending on the teams. But I think you're right, Mark. Overall, I mean, none of these guys have any skeletons in the closet that are going to come up and you say, ooh, character guy. Um, and they should do really, really well in that setting. Personally, for me, the thing I'm most looking forward to is just going to be Friday. Like, I don't want to overthink this. I want to see Saquon Barkley make everyone else, you know, jaws drops as he's done for the last three seasons here and go, that was freaking ridiculous. And I go, no, it's just Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's just a physical freak. Have you guys been blown away at all? by some people suggesting I know that this is another segment that he may yeah. fall or uh, you know I saw I forget who it was you know rating who the best combine performers are going to be and he's not there who how does how do people miss this I mean he's been his workouts have been all over social media for the last three years yeah. if anybody outperforms Barkley at this combine I will be absolutely stunned I think it's a lot of laziness as we saw last year with his Heisman campaign it's all about the rushing yards or right. something like that so you, anytime you, you want to cut him down a lot folks are going to that outlet um yeah but yeah I think he's going to crush it well, I, mean, I don't even I, think it's it's unique to Barkley it's just the draft season is so long right like there's so much time you've got to fill it with something and maybe not purposely you know have a hot take but more so well we're looking at it for so long there's got to be a chink in the armor somewhere like just somewhere where you look because I remember Andrew Luck had the same now because it was, it was Phil Sims or someone said oh his arm strength's not that good like you know he's been hurt as of late but before then as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL basically from the time he stepped on the field finding, finding the top guys is is fairly easy I mean it's yeah I mean, it, oh, it it's is. been done several times but but knocking those guys down to find the guys below them I think is the sport in it all and I think that's where people go to it the most is you want to find uh you know hey Ronald Jones is better okay why is Ronald Jones better uh you know more yards after contact I mean come on now let's uh, right. let's get yeah. out of here well, so yeah as we started Mike Mayock and we'll end it with him. Transformational back would be quote absolutely stunned end quote if Barkley fell out of the top. Five. Well, look at the teams in the top five. I didn't know we we're getting ahead of that, but I mean everybody needs a running back, and they need a lot of other things. That's why they're in the top five. But the Browns, the Giants, the Colts, you know, and even the Broncos who are at five probably don't among those teams. So you would now thus be absolutely stunned if he fell out of the top four, yeah. which includes one team having two of those picks. Yeah, if he falls out of the top four, it's because they you know four people traded up for quarterbacks. Right, it's because the Browns are going to do them. Mike Mayock is he your guy? 
guy? Is your your favorite draft guy? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I keep spinning off of this, but it's kind of fun. Uh, I, I just think he's he's more connected, at least when you listen to him to the league and to specifically what they're looking for. I mean, this happens to to any variety of analysts, no matter what your sport. The longer you're there, you, your intellectual curiosity kind of just lowers. Like you're content. You do the same stuff year after year. When I hear a guy like Mel Kiper, not to take out Mel Kiper, but just speaking about Josh Allen won at Wyoming. The stats don't matter. And then when you talk to him about Lamar Jackson, it goes, oh, well, he didn't complete enough passes. Well, is it about the, quote, winning, which, of course, is not a quarterback stat, but a team stat? Or is it about, you know, the statistics of which he's responsible for that are intertwined with teammates? But I think Mayock is much more on top of the film. I think he does an excellent job of that. Um, you know, of course, played a little bit, which I think is overblown to some extent. But he he's the best, in my mind, how, media how, analyst. How long was his call yesterday? Oh, he answers every freaking question. Now, I missed it because Mark and I had to go to availability with Pat Chambers. But my understanding is it went well over two hours. And it was there were a ton of people listening, a few asked questions. Um, but he gets through every single one. He's just at his house. To, to, yeah, just to, to answer those questions just off the bat. I mean, asking about a, you know, a safety from northern Illinois. You know, just yeah. those, sort of, those sort of things. If you, if you know that much, I mean, that, that says something about the work that they've put into it. And I really respect Mike Mayock's opinion. I think he's been, you know, across the board probably at – if not at the top, near the top. So, but yeah, to, to to be able to retain all that information is just ridiculous. Well, that's half the fun of watching the combine. If you actually yeah, have fun, true. is the interaction between the different personalities, and that they somehow are able to keep it. You know, between Eisen and, and him, whether you like Eisen or don't like him, it is entertaining to watch. And it's amazing when some guy comes up from you know Division Two or whatever, and, and Mayock has a file on him. He's ready to start spitting stats and, and that sort of thing it's it's impressive he's really really good yeah all right we should, um, we should get him on the podcast i'm sure he's not doing anything else right now i actually true story had that, a that one should have been your question <laughs> one time connection to mike mayock where really yeah did he go to yukon no he did not uh, surprisingly <laughs> we haven't gone there yet so uh this is on you now that yukon's been brought up in this podcast but uh Secondly, it was uh, an ex-girl for mine who actually went to Penn State. Her dad did commercial real estate. Before Mike Mayock went on to the NFL Network, he did commercial real estate also in the greater Philadelphia area, which he did. You know, Again, I mentioned he played in the league a little bit. I think the Steelers for like a year or two and played at a smaller school before that. Um, but that came up, I don't know, like two or three years into our relationship. And I didn't have a good relationship with her dad. But he was like, oh, yeah, I know Mike Mayock. I was like, What? Like, all right, we got something. Now here. I like it. And then I broke up with her uh, months later. So anyway, um, but yeah, that uh, he's uh, I think still outside of Philadelphia, and uh, he's killing it. Um, now he has, like everyone else, had really high praise for Saquon Barkley. First question of the mailbag. I don't have a good answer for this. I mean, I could throw around a couple of names, but that's going to be worthless. With Barkley gone, who is the biggest physical freak on the roster? Physical freak. I just think. And I hate doing this because he just got here, but Micah Parsons is as talented physically as any kid that's been through the program in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, uh, it was funny because I actually just did, or just before we recorded, talked about some early enrollees things. The the word freak is thrown around with him, and it's not thrown around a ton by the, the people that I talk to, but Micah has all the potential in the world to be. You know, one of the best football players in college football. If he can harness that, I mean, and, you know, I've talked about Micah several times in terms of what he has to do and what he has to deal with. But if he can harness that, I mean, he's as freakish and, and as 
potentially productive as anybody on the roster. And, and getting him into a college strength training program. Structure. Oh, yeah. huge. I mean, I mean it's, not even, all of it. it's not only that, but, I mean, you, you're eating three squares a day. You're being in the right spot. You're you're at study hall. You're avoiding some certain things. <laughs> some I mean, certain things. <laughs> uh, if you're doing that, I mean, you've got a chance to grow. And that's the thing that they went to with Shaka Tony is Shaka was 200 pounds coming out of high school. And, you know, he's still light. But at the same time, you know, he wasn't in a strength program where he was being pushed. He wasn't in a, a nutrition program where he was putting on weight. He started to do that, and you saw some of those physical gifts that he has started to, to, to come out. So you get Micah Parsons in structure, and he takes to the structure. I mean, look out, because this kid is, is, is special. There's, think, no, there's nobody like Saquon, obviously, yes, but one yeah. name I would throw out there is Koa Farmer. Uh, I don't think he's as strong with the weightlifting stuff, but he runs ridiculously well for a guy his size. And the, the, the other guy who jumps out at you that we've heard about over and over and over again, but we'll, we never see him on the field, workout warrior Nick Bowers. Yep. I mean, this guy, like, he can run. He's big. He's strong. I think he has the the, the, the weightlifting record or the overall performance record for yep. tight ends. That, that is a guy that they That's have to find. Sticky leaving. Yeah, yeah he, they have to find some way to get that kid healthy. Yeah. I just don't know how because you look at testing numbers and it's ridiculous. He so. could solve a lot of problems for them. Yeah. I, I definitely think so. The only name that came to mind for me, and this is in a much more limited scope than you look at a Barkley or a Micah Parsons, was probably Shaka Tony. I mean, we have this event coming up on Wednesday, speaking with Dwight Gall, and last year was all Shaka Tony, Shaka Tony, Shaka Tony, and his explosiveness and all the lower body and the quick twitch, which you don't see from many people at that size. So for me, I would lean him. We've also heard a lot, and this is entirely serious, about Kevin Gibbons. Kevin Gibbons. Yes, yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> just the lower body explosiveness. And again, it's, it's a much more limited scope. Like, if you want to just go physical freak, and especially a year from now, Michael Parsons, I think, is the answer. But um, there are a couple guys in their own ways that you go, that shouldn't be possible, but, yeah. but it is. And Pand- pandering to the Altoona market, you know, I come on this podcast, <laughs> did not expect that. You get enough of that on the, uh, One the final TV thing. show. One final thing. Juwan Johnson has everything you want. I mean... I don't know that he's got the bench numbers or anything like that, but I mean, he's got the height, he's got the speed, he's got the length and everything like that. So even if he's not as productive as, you know, many had hoped or, or whatnot, or, or maybe he won't be next year, uh, he's got the NFL tools to, to leave early. So yeah, people that, don't realize how tall he is. No. Isn't it funny when you stand next to him, it's like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. Yeah, he just, he's, and his arms just keep going. He's, he, I think he's going to have a big year. I thought he had a really good year this year, but I think the, the expectations kind of, you know, knocked him off at the knees there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Juwan Johnson physically, you know, could be an NFL guy after this year. So we just submitted six answers to the question of the who single is the biggest f- physical freak is twelve guys. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's a difficult question. Choose your own adventure. Very well. Uh, all right, the last question here in the two question mailbag. Uh, let's keep this one a little bit shorter. Will there be more rotations on offense next year? To me, this is an easy yes, and I think it points to all the guys we just talked about at the combine. Mike Kosicki's gone at tight end. No clear answer. Running back Miles Sanders is. The guy, but maybe you have some you know rotations in there third down, um, and then wide receiver. You're also missing Deshaun Hamilton. Yeah, I thought the the uh, running back rotation worked really well in the bowl game, even with Saquon. And I think that maybe that was a little bit of a test run. Uh, so clearly, as you know, Sean, you mentioned Journey Brown, uh, Slade coming in. Uh, not sure where Mark Allen fits into the mix, uh, but they they're going to have enough talent there to rotate guys. And at tight end, 
we mentioned Bowers, but he's just never shown the ability to stay healthy. So you can't count on him giving you the kind of snaps. <laughs> you got to find one tight end right, you before find you can one, find the rotation right. of tight ends. Yeah, no doubt. And I and I agree with Mark um, with the with the coaching change. I mean, that was something that w- with Moorhead out there, and of course Josh Gaddis was working his wide receiver uh, rotation or whatnot. With the coaching change, I think we see a little bit more rotation. Probably not as much as you would expect. I don't think they're going to be running plays, you know, in and out every every single play. But I think Sanders is going to be the guy. Um, they need to find a tight end, no doubt about it. Uh, Juwan Johnson and uh, DeAndre Tompkins will be out there for most snaps at receiver. Of course, Brandon Polk, maybe some KJ Hamler as well. So uh, I'm interested to see that you know a third a third receiver step up or a tight end step up or a second running back. I think Mark Allen can have a role. Um, you know, he's obviously limited physically compared to the guys that he's competing against. Not as fast as some of those guys, but he can block. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he's been able to move the sticks. So I think there will be some rotations, but I'm not sure that it's going to be you know just a, a complete change from what we've seen the last two years. I think that's fair. It also speaks to it would be hard not to have more rotations than you did very, a year ago because true. you're looking at Saquon Barkley, 79% of the snaps. Uh, Juwan Johnson and Deshaun Hamilton, both 76% or higher. Tompkins and Blacknell is a fairly even split. Gesicki for the second straight year, at least 78% of the snaps. And then you're looking at the same three interior guys in the offensive line. Will Fries, you know, bounced in and out. Uh, ended up playing with 80% of the snaps. Ryan Bates gets hurt. Chaz Wright's in there too. But, you know, there, there's just, you know, not there, there are snaps to be taken. But, you know, to have guys who are going to seize those jobs outright and run with them, I think is difficult, difficult to see at this point. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right. Well, we will have more rotations on this podcast moving forward. Mark coming back. Nice. Some guests that Sean is going to schedule. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Mike here. Mayock. Mike yeah. Mayock. I will start getting on We that. ran out of time. We Go didn't through get to your girl, yeah. ex-girlfriend's father's husband's <laughs> Listen, it's wife. been years, and even in the years, they weren't that good. But can you do me this one solid? Um, yeah. No, it'll be fun. I mean, we got spring I'm ball sitting now. here watching the combine day drinking. <laughs> you haven't heard from me in four, yeah. four, four or five years. The what now? It's a football thing. Okay. That's, that's how those conversations went. But anyway, we got we're less than a month away from uh, spring ball combines this week. Plenty more to talk about. It's uh, you know it's still the off season, but it, things are going to pick up, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's into March, and it's crazy to think about. We're only a couple of weeks away from spring ball. Um, of course, a ton of visitors going to come through in the next couple of months. Uh, so obviously, we're going to have a lot to write about in the next couple of months. Cool. So check out the site, and we'll see you next time here in the Lions 24/7 podcast.